Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results from yesterday's games and headlines as well before getting into today's slate, talking about what games are on, which bets we like, and we cap it off with our early favorite plays of the day. Now, this is an exciting Sunday. We got a golf finish. We got the WNBA regular season. We got the World Juniors as well, as well as some MLB and an EPL game that's kicking off in just over 30 minutes here. So our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile and can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. It is also available in both English and French and customer service is available 24-7 on our live chat. So go to bet99.com to make an account to get started. Please gamble responsibly as well. You must be 19 plus years of age at sign up. Be sure to use that promo code shooters. So let's talk about yesterday's recap on the betting side. We're out to a hot start yesterday with how the EPL games were going, but unfortunately finished the day four and five. We had a couple of later results that really hurt the bank account. So Aston Villa money line we cashed yesterday. Arsenal and Leicester both to score. We also cashed as well as Manchester City and Bournemouth over three and a half goals. Leeds blowing it late really hurt us on the EPL side. We would have cashed that parlay with Eric Sports Picks as well. We did get USA. They won seven to nothing in hockey on the World Junior side. They were minus six and a half. Now the ones that lost, the Cardinals, they lose 3-2 to two in the 10th, so we miss out on that money line. Calgary's up 10 with a couple minutes to go in the CFL, and they end up losing by one. Heartbreaker there, Tanner Rourke really poured it on. Then we had Manchester City and Brentford. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. That was an absolute travesty from Manchester United. And then we had Toronto and Cleveland over 8 that missed as well. So tough day overall to finish after the start that we had, but we're looking forward to today's slate. So let's talk about yesterday's results before we get into the full slate today. Now on the World Junior side, we did have USA, as we said, won 7-0. The Canadians, shout out Team Canada, they won 5-1 versus the Czechs. And then Germany beat Switzerland 3-2 as well. A lot of NFL preseason action yesterday. Uh, We won't get into too many of those scores, but the Panthers, they won 23 to 21 over the Commanders. We saw Mitchell Trubisky play well in his series as the Steelers beat the Seahawks 32 to 25. 
And in my Dallas Cowboys, they got beat badly 17 to 7. Luckily, it's just preseason. MLB wise, we had the Braves. They won 5 to 2 versus the Marlins. The Jays won 2 to 1 versus the Guardians. Tris McKenzie did put up a great fight, but Anthony Bass picks up the win late in that one with Jordan Romano getting the save. The Rays, they beat the Orioles 8-2 yesterday, led by Shane McClanahan. He pitched six innings with four Ks in the victory for the Rays. The Cubs won six or 7-2 versus the Reds. Three runs in the seventh and another in the ninth is what put them over the top there. Then the upset of the day was the Nationals over the Padres. Hugh Darvish went six innings with nine Ks, just was unable to get the run support, and the Padres blew it late there giving up three runs in the sixth inning to lose that game. Then we had the White Sox 6-4 to four over the Tigers. Giolito with the win, seven innings, seven Ks. Great pitching performance by him. The Astros shut out the A's 8 to nothing, led by Lance McCullers, who had five Ks over six innings pitched. The Dodgers cover the run line once again in a big way, 13-3 over the Royals. Joey Gallo really swinging the bat since that move from the Yankees. You had the Braves once again won 6-2 versus the Marlins in the doubleheader of that one. Mets 1-0 over the Phillies. Yankees 3-2 over the Red Sox. The Rangers 7-4 over the Mariners. The Brewers 3-2 over the Cardinals in the 10th. Tough one. And then the Diamondbacks 6-0. They blanked the Rockies. Zach Gallen went 7 innings. You had the Giants 2-0 over the Pirates led by Logan Webb's 8 innings, 9 Ks. And then the final game of the evening went to the 11th inning with the Angels winning 5-3. to three. As we said on the CFL side, the Lions, they win 41-40 to 40 over the Calgary Stampeders. Um, absolute performance by Tanner Rourke there, or Nathan Rourke, sorry. He goes 488 passing yards, two TDs, two interceptions. On the Calgary side, Bo Levi Mitchell with 206 passing yards, two picks, two touchdowns then the rough riders they win 34 to 23 yesterday the final score does not reflect how that game really went they were very fortunate to win that game the way that they did but nonetheless the riders pick up the win and they're moving on to next week aston villa they win two to one versus everton on the soccer side of things we had arsenal four to two over leicester city a couple of great goals by gabriel jesus Brighton and Newcastle, 0-0 was the final there. Manchester City absolutely poured it on against Bournemouth. You had Gundogan, uh, De Bruyne, Foden, and then an own goal there. Luckily, we have the Kevin De Bruyne Bet99 Super Boost, where if we get a Mo Salah goal tomorrow, we cash a plus 325 play there. Southampton, 2-2 versus Leeds. This one hurts as Leeds were up 2-0 with 30 minutes to go. Unfortunately, Leeds blew the lead. And then Wolverhampton and Fulham 0-0. And then the final game, Brentford 4-0 against Manchester United. All the goals coming in the first 40 minutes or so. Absolute disgrace by Man United. A lot of bad goals. Very poor coming from the back end. That's how Ten Hag wants them to play. But it's not working. They don't have the personnel to run that. So they're going to need to make adjustments. They've got Liverpool next weekend. And if you lose 4 to nothing to Brentford, I can only imagine how badly things could get next weekend. And then on the MMA side of things, Vera with an absolute lethal left kick KO on Dominic Cruz in the fourth round yesterday. One of the crazier knockouts I've seen in recent memory. And so that's how things go. Now, let's talk today's bets. 
as far as the golf goes, we're hoping for a couple of strong finishes from a few guys today. We know that Xander Shoffley and Cameron Young, both of our winner picks, likely not going to get there. So we're going to just write those ones off altogether. But we do have potential for both our top 10 and top 20 guys to make us some money. Now, Tony Finau, he sits at T8. He's plus 220 for a top 10, as is Sung Im. He shot a blistering 63 yesterday to get back into the hunt. He's plus 320 there. And then top 20, we have Sam Burns, who's T8. And then Max Homa, he's T30. If we get a good Sunday from Max, we could have all four of these potentially cash. We're hopeful for a strong Sunday from all four of those guys. Now, WNBA-wise, we do have the final day of the WNBA regular season, final day to bet on the WNBA. And so there's a lot of a lot of playoff implications on the line in those games today. Um, when you go and look at those uh, betting lines, you do have the Connecticut Sun. They're minus six and a half versus Minnesota. I will talk about this game in a little bit because it is a part of our betting card, but I do think that this is upset potential here. The Liberty are minus four and a half versus Atlanta. Even if Atlanta wins today, they need a little bit of help, but I do think the Liberty are favored at home justifiably. You have the Aces there, minus six and a half versus Seattle. They want to lock up the number one overall seed today. The Mystics are 10 and a half versus Indiana. This is a nothing game. The Mystics are already in the playoffs and locked into where they're going to be. The Chicago Sky, they're minus five and a half today. Candace Parker and company against the Phoenix Mercury. The Mercury, if they win today, they secure a playoff spot. So playoff implications there. And then we've got Dallas. They're minus four and a half versus LA today. The Wings are already in the playoffs. The Sparks are not. So it's a nothing game there later on in the day. World Juniors wise today, we got Finland. They're minus three and a half versus Slovakia. Kind of avoiding that game. I don't love the, this Finnish team as I have in years past, but they clearly are better than the Slovaks. So I don't know where to go with that puck line today. The Czechs, they're minus two and a half versus Latvia today. I think this has low scoring game potential. I don't think Latvia is going to score much. It just depends how well that Czech Republic attack looks. And then the game of the day, the one everyone wants to tune into, it's USA. They're minus one and a half at plus 150 against Sweden. Pretty even matchup here, although the U.S. have looked better this tournament. So that is definitely one to keep an eye on today. Now, MLB-wise, we do have a lot of games on the slate today. Uh, We have the Padres. They're minus 280 versus the Nationals. That'll be a part of our betting card in a little bit, as is the Jays and Guardians over under seven with Bieber and Gossman going on the round, on the mound. Wow, great English there, Ken. Then we have the Rays, they're minus 175 versus the Orioles. It's Rasmussen versus Lyles today. And there's a lot of other great pitching matchups, whether it's Bassett and Wheeler for the Mets and Phillies today, uh, whether it's Javier and Irvin going for the Astros and the A's, Ashby and Mikolas for the Cards and Brewers. There's a lot of value out there today. Be sure to go and check out those betting lines. Now, the game that I'm most intrigued by today is the Tottenham game and Chelsea in EPL that kicks off in just under 20 minutes time here. I do like Tottenham today. They're going to be a part of our betting card, but I do think that they have the better attack. I'm still unsure of who Chelsea is going to have that's going to score goals for them. They were able to score a penalty in the opener, but didn't create a lot of other great chances outside of that I found in that game. So I want to see how Chelsea looks today against a team like Tottenham and whether they can produce the chances needed in order to pull off the victory. 
So with that, let's get into the early hedge five. These are our early five plays that we like. Some of them kick off, as we said, in just under 20 minutes time. Some of them are a bit later in the day. But nonetheless, go and bet these at bet99.com. That's where we got all of these betting lines, promo code shooters. So let's start with Tottenham draw no bet versus Chelsea at plus 128. We got burned yesterday going for a little bit extra value with Leeds money line when we should have done Leeds draw no bet. So we're going to do that today with Tottenham. I do think that Tottenham are the better side. I think they're going to be third in the Premier League, whereas Chelsea could be fourth or fifth. And so I think Chelsea lacks the scoring up front. This does have 0-0 potential, but I do think it's going to end up one nothing Tottenham. They're going to get the goal that they need. And so I like the plus value at plus 128. Then San Diego team total over five and a half versus Washington. It was minus 125. It's since moved to minus 120. Washington just upset San Diego yesterday, and the Padres have not been playing well. They've only won four of their last 10. The Tatis suspension really threw a wrench in their plans this year as well, as he's going to miss 80 games. But I don't think that the Nationals are going to show up back-to-back days. The Padres hit the over five and a half. They're three games prior to yesterday. And so I expect a blowout today. San Diego, they're going to score eight to 10 runs and they're going to pick up an easy victory over the Nationals. I like the Houston Astros run line versus Oakland at minus 125. You got Javier on the mound for the Astros. The Astros are also at home. They're coming off an 8 to nothing win over this same A's team yesterday. And while I do like Irvin, I just think Javier is the better pitcher, and that Houston has the far better offense, and they're going to pick up the win there today. Latvia and Czech Republic. I don't have a lot of faith in either team, and I don't think that there's going to be a lot of goals scored here. I see this being a relatively low-scoring game. Czech Republic maybe wins 4-1, to 3-1, to but I don't think they get even close to that 6.5 line unless one of the goalies gets chased early. So I'm taking the under 6.5. That's minus 108. And then to cap it off, Toronto and Cleveland under 7 at plus 100. Gossman for the Jays, Bieber for the Guardians. I mean, Bieber's just given up three earned runs in his last 20 innings pitch, so he's been really solid. But as has Gossman, he's given up five earned in just under 19 innings pitched. So I think we get a low-scoring battle today between two good pitchers. We saw it was low-scoring yesterday. I think it's going to be the same today. So I am rolling with the under on Toronto-Cleveland. But thank you, everyone, who tuned in to our live show this morning. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, Stay tuned as we have Stuart Brooking from the Off the Ball Network, Morning Brew with Stu. He's on talking about the Indianapolis Colts. We touch on the betting lines, whether we think they're the best team in the AFC South, and some fantasy value as well. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 14th, which means our 14th NFL team preview show is here. Now, yesterday the discussion was all about the Green Bay Packers. The gold standard, you could say, of the NFC North. Maybe not of the NFC Championship game, but of the NFC North. Um, And so today we're heading back to the AFC, the South Division specifically, to talk about our second team from this division. A couple days ago, we talked the Texans with Ernest Silva. Now we're talking the Indianapolis Colts with one of my favorite guys from the Off the Ball Network. He is the host of the Morning Brew with Stu. He sticks to his guns on his takes. And most importantly, he's a passionate Indianapolis Colts fan, not Indiana Pacers fan. That is Stuart Brooking. Stu, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I, listen, when you texted me and said, sent me a message that, hey, you want to talk Colts, 
I was like, anytime you just name the time, place, I'll be there. Awesome. Well, we're going to get right into things talking. We're going to recap last year, look at some of the moves that were made, the expectations for the Colts this year, and then we'll talk a little bit of bets and then fantasy football as well. So let's recap that 2021-2022 season. The Colts did go 9-8 and eight last year, got out to the tough start. They were 1-4 out of the gate, then they win five of their next six. They looked to be in a great spot at 9-6, and six, just needed to win one of the last two games of the year and unfortunately fell to the Raiders and the Jags. Now, while they were unable to miss either and they missed the playoffs, Stu, for you, do you consider that season a failure by your standards because they didn't get into the playoffs? Or could it be it's a bit of a blessing in disguise now looking at the roster that you have heading into 2022 and 2023? I mean, I guess both. But when you look at how well JT was playing towards the end of the year, you look at how well the Colts were playing towards the end of the year like for me when we came up and it was like all right you need one of these last two games to win either las vegas or you need to beat jacksonville both teams were very beatable in my opinion and in my opinion i feel like the colts were the better team in both circumstances uh didn't play great versus las vegas and then when you look at the jacksonville game it, it is what it is right like i i've talked about it at nauseum on my podcast on on other podcasts you know it was one of the greatest meltdowns i've seen this team have in my my time of being a colts fan so it was very disappointing when i look at what it led to you know matt ryan yannick nagawakwe on the defensive end side of the the football you know you look at some of the other things alec pierce you know i've heard chris ballard and frank reich say even if we made the playoffs with carson wentz that we still would have probably gone a different direction this season i find that to be completely false i i don't i don't understand how you can justify a guy who went 27 and 7 and then takes you to the playoffs and moving off of him no matter how bad he played trying to justify that to the fan base i don't think would have been an easy task but yeah i mean last season was a failure in my opinion i mean look at this let me let me break this down to you real quick ken the colts went one and four one and five in 2018 fought back made the playoffs beat the texans in the first round lost to the uh chiefs in the divisional round if i'm not mistaken had we made the playoffs last year we'd have been the only team to go from one and four to the playoffs two different times we'd have been the only team to ever do that and the fact that's not a great thing because we started off (laughs) one and four but just how well we were playing we smoked buffalo and last season i mean absolutely demolished buffalo we were cooking on all cylinders so to see it kind of collapse like it did in in no way is what i call last year a success that's kind of the route that i wanted to go with the discussion honestly because to me it's the blessing in disguise because when you look at how the afc played out last year you had the bengals went on their run uh you had kansas city they were able to upset the bills um But when I looked at this Colts team, I felt like they were maybe a step below and it was because of the quarterback position. I love the Colts roster outside of that QB spot last year because JT, as you said, was cooking. You got the O-line that's solid. You've got the good defense. You have some weapons around that quarterback as well. But then he was just unable to get it done by being consistently inconsistent. And so 
funny enough, there was the video from Commander's Camp where they they used that phrase, and and it was a great video shared by a friend of ours, Mo Murphy at the network. But when I look at the off season that they had, you trade in Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan, and to me, you could call the the off season a success just based off of that move alone. Matt Ryan's a former league MVP. He's a veteran guy. I think he's going to come in and play pretty well. Um, he did look a little bit beaten up towards his the end of his time in Atlanta, but everything I've read, he's been great in camp. He's been a great leader. Um, you said they they go out and draft Alec Pierce out of Cincy, your favorite team, Cincy. I know how much you love Cincy <laughs> in the college football ranks. But then they brought in Stephon Gilmore as well on the defensive side. And so I think this is a very talented team top to bottom, and, and it's going to come down to the quarterback play. And, and I think they're going to have that in Matt Ryan. So that that moves us over to are they the best team in, in this division, which to me it's it's a resounding yes. Um, Vegas thinks so. They've got Indy minus 210 to win the division with the Titans at plus 140. So what do you think of this division as a whole? I, as I touched on in the preamble, Houston, they're not going to be a very good team this year, but you've got Jacksonville. We'll see what Trevor Lawrence looks like in year two. And then you've got Ryan Tannehill with certainly diminished weapons this year. So so what do you think about Indianapolis being the best team in the division? I will say this. I think the AFC South, as it has been for the last couple of years, is a two-horse race. I think there's no way Jacksonville wins the division. And then, as you said, Houston by far is the worst team in the division. Um, I think Indianapolis wins the division. I really do. But let me say this. It's not going to be like it would be in the NFC South where I think, you know, Tampa Bay wins it by three or four games. Like, this is going to be something where, you know, it's it's going to be a close race. Like, I understand the whole Ryan Tannehill thing last year and, you know, how he melted in the playoffs and all that. But let's not forget, like, they made the playoffs by running their offense through Devontae Foreman, the Tennessee Titans did. So, I mean, this is not a, this is not a team that, you know, people should just be overlooking by any means. I understand – A.J. Brown ain't there, all that kind of stuff. But they're very well coached. They're getting Derrick Henry back. If he can stay healthy, he's still you know, a top three running back in this league. I look at it. I think the Colts do. I think they, I think they do win this division. I have them winning more games than Vegas. I know that's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I have them winning more games than Vegas. And I have them winning the division. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I think that it's theirs to lose. As far as betting goes, I think it's actually not the wisest bet to bet Indy to win the division, but it's because for them to make the playoffs, it's minus 179. So to me, if they win the division, they're getting into the playoffs anyways. So if you like them to win the division, go ahead and just bet them to make the playoffs at minus 179. You get much better odds there. So I agree 100%. I think the Titans defense still isn't great. Robert Woods is their main weapon and he's coming off a major injury. So who knows what he's going to look like. They're obviously going to run the offense through Derrick Henry, uh, see if he can play a full schedule this year, but Jacksonville, they're a couple years away. Houston are awful. Like to me, this, this is the Colts division uh, to lose. Now the over under win total for Vegas is nine and a half. Now the over is juice. Like it's minus minus one fifty nine. So you're not seeing the minus 110s or minus 120s that you typically see with the over-under win total. But Vegas was too scared to go to 10.5 because if you go to 10.5, I think you'd get a lot more people betting the under because they think they're going to win 10 games right on the nose. But over 9.5, I really like, especially when you look at the division schedule, 
You get Jacksonville twice, Houston twice, Tennessee twice. I think worst case scenario for this group, you should be winning four division games, which means that you then just have to go on and win six games in your your non-divisional schedule. And when you look at the non-division schedule, yes, you do get the AFC West this year. We know how big of a dogfight it's going to be in that division. Those games are going to be must-watch every single week. But then you also get Dallas, you get the Giants, you have Pittsburgh in there, Philly, Washington. Like So when you get the NFC East, and as an NFC East fan, I know that there's there's some gettable games in that division. So you said that you like the over here. What do you think is a realistic expectation of wins for the Colts this year? I think they they're going to and they think they really should win 11 games this year um i i look at that schedule you know there are some tough games on there i look at the chiefs game that's one that i look at and say i don't know that could go either way you know you look at jacksonville that's a tough one broncos is tough the raiders i guess if you're a believer in las vegas and what they did last year then it's a tough game it is you know some of those things i just think the colts I think the Colts are going to get their wins in the division, but I also think they're going to pull some of those sneaky wins out and, and get about 11 wins. I think, I think the low end will be nine wins. I don't see this team getting anything lower than nine wins is an absolute fail for Indianapolis this year. I don't think they do get below nine wins unless something tries, you know, catastrophic happens where like, Matt Ryan gets hurt or JT gets hurt or something like that. But other than that, I don't see this team getting less than nine wins, but I would probably bet the over and say they're going to get 11. Yeah. When I look at this division or like the non-division schedule, like I think Kansas city is a bit more vulnerable than people think not having Tyree kill in that offense anymore. So I think that's a gettable game Vegas as well. When we're talking AFC West, Dallas can absolutely no show at times same with Philadelphia so I think those games are gettable like the only ones on that schedule that I don't like for you guys would probably be Denver and the Chargers but even those those teams are gettable because we don't know what Russell Wilson's going to look like and Justin Herbert we keep crowning him as the next big thing in the NFL but he's yet to make the playoffs yet so who's who's to say that they they don't slip up again this year so I do like the over nine and a half. Hmm? I will say this. Um, there's one game that one game that I think people should keep an eye on on the betting sense in that game. And you can talk about, you know, kind of how bad the team is, but I think there is one game on that schedule where the quarterback has something to prove. And I think that's the Washington game. Like I think if there's a game where the Colts can get got, it's gonna be that one because you know, Carson Wentz is gonna come out on a on a mission to prove that, you know you made a mistake and let me go and those types of things. And I think he's going to come out to try to prove that he's as good as, as he says he is, or that he thinks he is. And, and those types of things. So that's a game where to keep an eye on, on the betting front where the Colts, I think could get got. No, I agree a hundred percent. Anytime you've got a QB revenge game, it's one that you want to keep an eye on. Now the Colts are at home. Like if they were on the road, then especially it'd be like, Ooh, I don't know about that one, but that is one to keep an eye on. Also, we know in the NFL, teams slip up all the time. Like yeah. we saw Buffalo lose to the Jags last year. And, and if that doesn't say that any team can get got that, then I don't know what does now from a fantasy perspective, when it comes to the Colts, there's quite a few guys in this offense that you probably want to own. And 
the one actually for me that's probably the best value just based off of where they're going like we know jonathan taylor we'll touch on him in a minute but he's running back one if, if you got one overall and you draft him like you're, you're not going to be disappointed if he's healthy so matt ryan an adp of 168 now i was very surprised with where he's at because of who's ahead of him you've got Jameis winston ahead of him you've got trevor lawrence ahead of him and you've got Justin Fields ahead of him with no weapons in that offense. Now, he is ahead of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. But to me, this is a guy in fantasy that if I can draft him a couple rounds earlier or very late in a draft and stash him to be my bi-week QB or maybe a matchups QB, I love Matt Ryan from that perspective. And if all these guys are on the waiver wire, I'm I'm picking Matt Ryan every single time because I, I know what to expect from a Matt Ryan we know Jameis Winston, like he went 30 and 30 one year. So, so he can throw your way out of a game. And then you've got all these young QBs that, yes, maybe some of them have some upside, but they don't have the offense that Indianapolis has with the run game, with the O-line, with some weapons. So what do you think of Matt Ryan from a fantasy perspective this year? Yeah, when you think about, you know, for me, on a lot of my teams, he's my he's my QB too, right? Because I, I don't think he's a guy who depending on what you got honestly depending on how well of a drafter you are and how well you think of this like he might be a guy you start at quarterback because you may not need a whole lot out of your quarterback play depending on what you got on the rest of your roster but he's a he's a quarterback too on most of my teams um he's my backup you know he's my bi-week guy those types of things but you know when when i think about you know why would a guy like justin fields or trevor lawrence or Jameis winston be above Matt Ryan, I think a lot of people are discrediting how bad Atlanta was last year and exactly, and they're blaming Matt Ryan for that when Matt Ryan a lot of times kept that team afloat. Like, yeah, he was 20 and 20 touchdowns and 13 picks, but I think, you know, a lot of times the when he looked bad, it was because of how bad that team around him was. I think he's going to be better this year in an offense. I think he's got a lot of. I said this before he became to, before he came to Indianapolis. Just in case anybody tries to like say, "Oh, you're only saying this because you're a homer," I said this before he came to Indianapolis. I think he's got a lot of high level championship football left inside of him. I really do. the The arm's still there, all that stuff, but just like with what you can get out of other guys, like running the football wise, all that kind of stuff. I think he is a, a very solid quarterback too, that, you know, if your starter goes down or, or if you have Deshaun Watson on your team and you have to miss your quarterbacks missing six games, he's a guy I would, I would trust plugging in for six games on my fantasy team. For sure. I, I love his upside, especially later in drafts. If you're in a Q two QB league, I'm taking this guy ahead of all these yeah. other ones and just saying, you know what, Matt Ryan's going to be solid this year on a good team. A lot of these teams, he's like, the one that stood out to me the most was the Fields one because I I said it when we did the Bears preview that I think he gets a pass this year strictly due to the fact that Chicago did absolutely nothing to help him. If anything, they completely hindered him moving forward by not getting any weapons in the market for him. Now he basically is Darnell Mooney and Cole Kmet, and that's about it. So that's where I, I would view a, a Matt Ryan where I would have him slightly ahead of those guys, and if I can get him late, then that's great. Now running back one in fantasy is JT. He's Number one in fantasy overall, as far as value goes, he's just ahead of Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. So for me, if I'm drafting at one JT to me is a no brainer. I think coming off the year that he had, 
you got the injury history of the other two guys. So I'd be drafting Jonathan Taylor number one, no matter what. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's it, right? Like, sign still delivered. He's the number one player in fantasy football. Um, the fact that he's like barely above CMC, a guy who's played 10 games in the last two years, kind of a little like, I guess, disrespectful because I, I think there would be kind of more of a gap there. I would guess I understand why they do it fantasy football wise, but I do think fantasy football wise should take into account injuries as far as when you are drafting a player, like what's the history of this player, those types of things. Cause Saquon's going high in a lot of drafts too, but yeah, I mean, it's clear. He's the number one, he's the number one overall pick in, in every draft, unless you have certain, any normal fantasy football league. Yeah. He, He's the guy. Now there are some of those that have some different rules and different kinds of things, but he's the number one overall pick in just about every league. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Now the other running back in that offense is Naeem Hines. Um, his ADP is one thirty four, so you can get this guy eleventh, twelfth round. For me, he's a guy that I'm playing on bye weeks. I wouldn't want him to be in my flex spot every single week in this offense, knowing that you have JT there. He's going to get the majority of stuff. Yes, they're going to dump it off to him. So if you're in a PPR league, especially, you probably like a Naeem Hines. But what do you think of Hines' fantasy value this year? Well, let me say this. I it, I don't know if you listen to my podcast I did with uh, uh, Greg Rakestraw. He covers the Indianapolis Colts here in Indianapolis. Um, let me tell you this. They're going to put Naeem Hines on the field at the same time as Jonathan Taylor a lot this year. And don't be surprised... Don't be a bit surprised if Naheem Hines is the second leading receiver for the Indianapolis Colts next year. So in the PPR league, this guy is a guy who, like you said, going 134, so you can get him in the 11th round. I would reach on him a bit, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Colts guy. Like I, I'm dead serious. If I was look, if he played for the Tennessee Titans and they were going to use him the way I've been, I'm being told they're going to use him in Indianapolis, I would get him around, around 8 or 9 as long as you're not drafting them above, you know, some superstar guy, because this is a guy who's going to get a lot of targets his way throwing the football wise, because the wide receiving core for Indianapolis is kind of weak. And I know we started off OTAs and training camp lined up at wide receiver. Now he has been moved back in training camp at, uh, at running back, but this is a guy who I think is going to be a guy who, whoever drafts him is going to, People are going to look at it and be like, okay, not really going to think about it. But then when the season comes, you're going to be like, damn, I have to play Naheem Hines. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to do that because he's a guy in the flex that, you know, I who can consistently be very, very good, especially in the PPR league. When I'm looking at the guys around him, too, Hines is going to have a role every single week. And yep, the guys around him, like Madison, like Ronald Jones in Kansas City, like Daryl Henderson with the Rams, they're probably not having major influences. You're just drafting those guys because you're not hoping for an injury. But if an injury pops up, then you have that guy to plug in every single week. So the fact that you can get Hines and he's going to be a factor and you don't have to hope that an injury occurs, that's why I like his value. Now, well, here's the only thing, Ken. This is the only thing you have to keep in mind is – uh, I think it was like Seattle or Los Angeles. The Colts threw the ball to him a lot last year, and he went off. I think he had like 15 or 16 fantasy points. He he had a big game. Uh, you know, I can't remember which game exactly it was. And then the Colts didn't use him the, la the rest of the year. And fantasy-wise, he was kind of worthless, shall I say. 
But let me say this. His biggest negative is going to be Frank Reich. And Frank Reich's had some questionable play callings, some questionable decisions, you know, roster-wise and who he goes to the ball-wise. So that is something you got to keep an eye on. But, you know, like you said with Mattinson and some of those other guys, when you look at what their biggest negatives is, they're the second running back. They're not going to be on the field at the same time as a starter, unlike Naheem Hines. That's a risk I think I'm willing to take. For sure. Now, wide receiver-wise, Michael Pittman, a guy that if you drafted last year, you're probably getting him sixth round or later. He's now moved up considerably to being that mid-fourth round guy. His ADP is 41, which means that he's in that category of the Jalen Waddles, the DJ Moores, the DK Metcalfs. Now, a couple of those guys are, are with bad QBs, which is why they're where they're at, whereas uh, I do like Matt Ryan and then behind Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin. So that's kind of the range we're talking about if you're going to be drafting Michael Pittman this year. I like the value given I think he's the one guy out of all those guys that's playing with a good QB and is the number one option. Like Terry's playing with Wentz, Deontay's with Trubisky, DJ's with Baker, DK's with Locke, and then Waddle's the number two in the offense. So I love his value of if I can have him as my second wide receiver. I wouldn't want to punt wide receiver down the road and then have him be my number one. But if he's my number two guy, then I'd feel very comfortable every single week. So what do you think of Pittman fantasy-wise? I think it's a good spot for him. I think, you know, we tend to do this a lot with players is they have a breakout year and then we're like, oh, good. They're going to have another huge year. And I think he's going to have a good year, but I think the fourth round is, is a good spot. I mean, this is going in, this is going to be his third year. He's got a lot to prove. There's some people who think he's no more than just a number two on any other offense in the league. So, you know, we'll see. But I think Michael Pittman's really – I think the fourth round in the fantasy draft is a good spot to get him. Definitely. I, I love where he's at. Now, as far as other wide receivers go in this offense, you can get Pierce the rookie at 182 or Paris Campbell at 194. So you're looking at these guys probably not getting drafted in a standard 12-team league, but could be guys on your waiver wire or maybe – you have a guy that you draft, maybe you've got an injury, so you can stash him on IR and you need to pick somebody up. I like both of these guys, but which one for you do you think has a bit more fantasy value this year? This season, I think if he stays healthy, it's Paris Campbell because this is a guy who will take the tops off the defense. He's going to be tough to stop, all those types of things. I mean, we sh he showed flashes last year of a guy who could be a superstar caliber wide receiver. But the question is, can he stay healthy? I mean, as of Thursday, he wasn't even – I don't think he was practicing. He wasn't healthy. And yet, here's a guy who many people expect to be the number two in this offense. Um, I wouldn't say Alec Pierce is undraftable. He's undraftable in redraft leagues. So if you have to redraft a, a team every year, he's undraftable. In a, famous, in a, a dynasty league – where you have like taxi squads, which serve as practice squads, those types of things where you can put rookies. This is a guy who I would go ahead and draft. I would draft in a very late round, but who might be able to benefit you next season or two seasons down the road where like he is undraftable. And I agree with you there in a redraft league where you need guys to perform this year. Cause I don't think he's going to perform that well, shall I say, but, in a dynasty league, yeah. But if you want impact for this year, he's a guy, 
Paris Campbell's the guy. Maybe. I, I would say extremely maybe. Like, I wouldn't draft him. I would pick him up, you know, off the waiver wire types of things because he he's just not trustable. Like, you can't trust him to stay healthy at this point. He's been in the league for, I think, going on three years, maybe his fourth year, and you just you can't trust the guy to stay healthy. So I would not draft either one of those guys in a redraft league, and I would draft him very, very late in a dynasty league if you're going to do so. Yeah, I agree 100% there. I do think that Campbell, you're looking at him if you have an injury, bye week issues, whatever, and you're just hoping. You're hoping that he catches a touchdown, maybe he gets – four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Like that's kind of your hope. So tight end wise, I don't think we need to spend too much time on the tight end. As far as Indy goes, they do have Mo Ali Cox. We were chatting before we went live that he's probably going to be more of a blocker. You'd be a waiver wire guy. You're hoping to get the right matchup maybe on a bye week, but any value do you think tight end wise there at all? I think the only one would be their like fourth or fifth round pick from not this previous draft, but two drafts ago, who's a rookie last year. It's Kylan Granson. I, I'm being told he's going to be used a lot as a slot receiver and kind of that H-back, fullback role this this season. Uh, he's kind of a smaller guy who can make some of those, those guys. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he is. I've got him on a dynasty league, but he's on my you know taxi squad from last year. I just... I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my time drafting these tight ends. If you want a guy, if you want to draft some tight ends late in the round, like maybe the the kid from Denver, I think he's gonna have a really good, you know, he's a guy who you could pick up late in the draft and be really good. Zach Ertz from Arizona, but I would stay far away from this tight end room for the Colts until shown otherwise. And the Colts defense, we know. You can start them, especially within divisional games, I think, and you can get some value out of, but we haven't been talking too much defenses-wise on this show. So, Stu, I th- thank you so much for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. Promote your work, promote what you've got going on at the network, and then close out with what are your expectations for the Colts? If you, like, is it mi- just making the playoffs? Is it winning a playoff game? What is it for you that, that would you would consider a success for Indianapolis this year? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, my podcast is The Morning Brew with Stu. Um, I usually drop a show once a week, sometimes twice a week. It started off as a solo show, and then the last, like, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes have been with guests. So I'm gonna, next week I'm going to try to get back to doing a solo show um, for the first time in a long, long time. But, yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at at StuPock5, as you can see on the screen, or you can find you can follow the uh, podcast on Twitter at, at StuMorning. My expectations for the Colts, the AFC so loaded. It really is. I mean, with the Bills and the Chiefs and all those kinds of things, I think the Colts will make the playoffs, and I think they can win a game in the playoffs. Now, can they go farther and compete in the AFC Championship game? I, I believe so. But you're, you're going to kind of hope that some other teams like Buffalo and Kansas City and, and Cincinnati kind of all take each other out, right? Like, I think that's the path for Indianapolis to get any farther than the divisional round of the, the playoffs would be. I, I don't see them getting a first-round bye at all. I think that's Kansas City or Buffalo or, or maybe a Bengals team. But I, you kind of got to hope. 
I think out of all those teams, if there's one that's beatable, I would say it's the Bengals, and then the Colts will probably, you know, have to play Kansas City or Buffalo. And at that point, I think in the playoffs, Kansas City will be at full steam. Buffalo will be at full steam. I don't, I don't know if the Colts really have a shot. It just depends. I need to see them this year. It's a new defense, all that kind of stuff. I, I need to see them, but I think they get at least a playoff appearance and a victory, and then it's kind of one and done for them. But they can be a team who, if the circumstances are right and everything falls into place, you could see potentially playing in the AFC Championship game as, as long as the wheels don't fall off like it did last year. Yeah, I think division title, you call it a success, a playoff win, you're really thrilled. I think it is very going to be matchup based, like how the seeding plays out. And, you know, we could see a scenario where maybe Kansas City doesn't win the division and suddenly you've got Kansas City in the playoffs. Like, like that would be a concern. And so um, I do think it's all going to be based off of how it finishes in the standings. But um Thanks so much once again for coming on, Stu, and thank you everyone who listens to the Competitive Head podcast every single day. Uh, Drop us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Edge podcast.